Hey there, I'm Wendy Vaughn, sales success coach and the queen of compassion-based selling because, well, selling is all about supporting, not convincing. And I am so glad that you've tuned in to today's episode of the Selling Made Easy Show because this show is all about inspiration, not just in learning a simple technique or mindset shift that makes it easier to get clients, but inspiration that happens as we get to peer through the lens of guest entrepreneurs who are blazing their own trails. And those trails have probably included a few unexpected roadblocks, maybe even having to overcome fears or blocks about selling. Now, I believe everyone has their zone of genius, their superpower that's a gift to others, including you. Now, for me, after, well, 22 years of outperforming my peers in sales results, well, it's almost an x-ray vision that I have when it comes to finding and fixing any sales blind spots within entrepreneurs that are unknowingly causing potential clients to slip away. And with today's guest, her zone of genius is her ability to connect deeply with people through her intuitive and compassionate nature and support them to improve their well-being by providing evidence-based strategies and techniques that uniquely support each person's health needs and wellness goals. So I am super excited to introduce Deborah Woods. Now, Deborah is a Mayo Clinic and National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach, and she's also a lifestyle medicine coach trained at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Now, her passion is helping people make the most of their health and well-being in the ways that make sense for them and are sustainable. Now, she works with individuals, groups, companies, and organizations. And she does this work because she truly wants to help people to feel and live at their best. And she does this work because she wants to help people to feel and live at their best and because this is the work she was born to do. Well, welcome, Deborah. I am so excited to have you as my guest today. Hello, Wendy. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too. And, you know, Deborah, I just love how you're helping people achieve something just so priceless, right? Their wellness goals and enjoy better health. I can't wait to hear more about this and the work you're now doing. I'm glad to be here and I look forward to talking about this. It is the work that I was born to do for sure. And I'm glad to be doing it. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dive in here. There's always one question that's top of mind for me, and that is exactly what was the inspiration or, you know, the tipping point that prompted you to start your own coaching practice? Sure. While I was in training at Mayo Clinic, it became clear to me that I really, if I was going to be there for the client in the way that they needed and meet their needs, tailoring my program to their needs, that I would have to strike out on my own. So that was a big impetus. I didn't want to be part of creating a prescribed program by an organization that I worked with. I really wanted to best meet the needs of the client. Another thing that really was a tipping point for moving into entrepreneurship and being a wellness entrepreneur was really the flexibility that it gives me with my time. And when I say that, I mean mostly time to connect with my own family. My kids are grown. Uh, the youngest left for college oh, a couple of months ago, and 
I really enjoy spending time with them and it's challenging to meet everybody's schedule. So uh, being an entrepreneur allows me the flexibility to plan time with my family when that works for my family. So I love that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely keeping that that wellness and well-being for yourself, <laughs> walking your talk, right? Indeed, that's, that's right. Very important. To put that plan together for your for your own health and well-being too. And it sounds like you've done exactly that. And and you know, being able to express yourself through this passion and the skills that you've achieved truly can be so rewarding and, and definitely being an entrepreneur is, is how that's best achieved. So yeah, I love that. So I'm not quite clear. So how long have you had your own, you know, your, your wellness practice, your coaching practice, and, you know, has your business mission or vision evolved? It's a great question. I think every entrepreneur has their vision evolve over time, and my certainly has. In some ways, I've been kind of a wellness professional the whole of my life. I love supporting people in their health and wellness, have had conversations for much of my life with people about that. But in terms of being formally educated and trained in health and wellness and supporting people in their health and wellness, it's been four years, four years ago. So pre-pandemic, I was... um, Uh, training at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, learning all of the neuroscience of behavior change. How do you not just talk about making change, but how do you support people in making change? Mm -hmm. So I've been doing that for four years with that training, and I've gone on to receive additional training too, as we referenced earlier in the introduction. In terms of the evolution of my vision, oh, Wendy, it... (laughs) It has evolved more than I ever could have imagined. When I was at Mayo Clinic connecting with uh, future colleagues from around the world, we were all in training together. I really had this vision for myself of engaging one-on-one with people mm-hmm. and helping them with their health and well-being. And that is absolutely where I started, engaging with individuals uh, in terms of supporting their health and well-being. But very quickly, uh, companies and organizations or groups would ask me to speak at an event they were having or to come support something they were doing at their company related to health and wellness. So I put my toe in the water, I dipped in, and a whole world of possibilities opened up and it's evolved a great deal from there. So working to a great extent with companies and organizations, whether it's doing a keynote speech for a wellness day, whether it's doing a treat. Uh, one of the things that I'm leaning more and more into is doing ongoing group wellness coaching in the workplace where people can pick and choose which groups they want to be part of that support them and their health and well-being. With all of that said, I still continue to work one-on-one with individuals, but the larger part of my practice now is working with groups, companies, and organizations. So a great evolution. And quite honestly, I'm really curious to see where it's going to continue to evolve over the years. Right. Yeah. I love that in terms of just being on that open and ready to receive and seeing how uh, the path is unfolding because you know, that's, that's really what sounds like occurred in terms of you're providing this great work one person at a time and really getting immersed in, in their unique life and their unique needs and then being asked, hey, can you speak at our corporation or can you speak and you provide this talk, you know, during a, a luncheon or and realizing, hey, you know, and being open to receiving that. And then that's also the beauty of being an entrepreneur is you know, taking those little prompts and cues and when a door opens. So it sounds like things have kind of naturally unfolded, but 
have there been any, you know, big roadblocks or challenges that you've had to overcome along the way? Oh, absolutely. I do not know a single entrepreneur who has not run into some serious <laughs> obstacles along the way. I, and I, I haven't found one either, you know, and I'm still waiting. You know? yeah, yeah. But so it's kind of the nature of, of the process, the evolution, right? Yes, the evolution for sure. I think the pathway or the road of an entrepreneur is paved with roadblocks they blasted through. So <laughs> I've definitely experienced mine. And some of the bigger ones that, you know, I recall is really initially when I was making this pivot at midlife into health and wellness as a profession, not just something I did on the side, not just something I did with my friends. But when I started to sort of put my feelers out and I found the program at Mayo Clinic, even my inner circle of family and close friends, with the exception of my husband, were like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. Come from? They felt it was so much out of left field. And yet I knew why I was doing it. As we uh -huh. mentioned earlier, it's the work that I was born to do. And to be honest with you, it taps into my greatest strengths, those right. self-identified strengths. But also I've taken strengths assessments that nail that this is the kind of work that I should be doing because I love people I love connection. I love communicating. These are strengths that manifest in the strengths test that I've taken. Mm -hmm. I love strategic thinking, not just wanting to be somewhere better for your health and well-being, but how are you going to get there? What's that right. going to look like? And That's then also strategy. just my, yeah. yes, yes. And my passion for learning. That's another strength that I have. So I love learning about the people that I work with, a great curiosity I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And I love just learning about health and wellness all the time. How can I better support people? How can I provide them with the resources that they need for their better health and well-being? Another um, another roadblock that I ran into significant, I'm still struggling with it. And this is why I'm here today is just self-promotion. Uh, it's not something that comes naturally to me. It's tooting your I, own horn, huh? <laughs> yes. Yes. I feel uncomfortable with it. A couple of things that have sort of helped me to overcome that so far is, uh, if, I, if people do not know what I do, I cannot possibly help them. So I sort of say, okay, if I'm going to be able to help people, they need to know what I do. So I've got to promote a little bit, share a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that's helped me in terms of learning to better self-promote is just making sure that I provide value in any interaction I have. So when people walk away, whether they're interested in working with me in the future or not, they walk away with something of value to support them in their health and well-being. So sure. a couple yeah. of roadblocks for sure. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, that self-promoting part is so difficult for, for, for certain people, not everybody, because there are a lot of people that just naturally feel great about talking about their greatness. And then there are those who feel it's inappropriate or, well, you know, who'd want to hear that or all these little voices start coming up and that, you know, you've, you've done a, a lot of work. It sounds like in just really connecting with, okay, well, if I, if I'm always providing value, then it's this, you know, win-win, you know, I'm sharing about my amazing skills and abilities while I'm also helping them to, um, gain something from our conversation. So I, I get how you've solved that, but back to one of the first things you talked about, the inner circle was not so supportive. Uh, the cheerleaders weren't happening. In fact, they were like putting their hand on their, you know, their jaw and, and you're doing what? 
why? (laughs) So can you share maybe a technique that you use to support yourself in continuing down your path, the path that you knew was speaking the loudest to you in spite of others having doubts? Is there, is there something that you utilized or besides just turn the other way and keep walking? (laughs) Yes. No, I think that's such a good question. There was a profession that I was in that I thought I would love. And it turns out I did not. And one of my coworkers in that profession said, I would do this work even if nobody paid me. (laughs) And Ah. that's the moment I knew I'm not in the right profession. So I really looked for what was a match for me. And it did take courage for sure. Mm -hmm. And even when people around me were saying, what are you doing? I had to really look inside and say, what do I want to be doing for the rest of my professional life? Mm -hmm. And then having courage and speaking positively to myself as I exercised that courage and made those steps. And I think something that really has helped me is leaning into why am I doing this work? And Wendy, one of the things that really prompted me to go into this work before I did is that I have lost too many people I love to mm. potentially preventable conditions and diseases. Oh, and I yeah, want that's to, so tough. Yes, I want to be part of helping people to create solutions for mm. feeling at and living at their best. Life is a yeah. gift and I want to help them make the most of it. And there is so much at stake, right? Yes. Like you shared. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's powerful. Just connecting with that obviously is, is the bigger motivator, uh, the driving force, regardless of what other people might question. So yeah, that just, that's profound. Yeah. I love that. And, and Deborah, you're obviously an expert at supporting people in, you know, their specific ways of according to their needs to achieve that better health and well-being. But I'm curious, how do you feel about the client enrollment or, you know, the sales part of being in business? Now, this is a very different skill set. Do you have any challenges or frustrations with this important part of growing a successful business? Yes. Like so many entrepreneurs, I really struggle with the client enrollment process. I kind of thought that considering the snag with the self-promoting, it kind of goes hand in hand. Self-promoting is like under the quotes of marketing and then selling is, you know, under the quotes of enrolling. So, all right. So let's peel back the layers here. What's the bugaboo? (laughs) Yes. So I think right now, really where I'm wanting to go with working with companies and organizations, I really would love some support. The challenge is really initiating those initial conversations with companies and organizations that I may not have a direct connection with. Just how do I introduce my work? How do I engage with them in a conversation that may not result in a sell in that initial conversation, but that opens up the possibility of a win-win for them and for me. So, yes. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And it is so difficult to knock on the door of a major corporation and, you know, have the door being wide open and welcoming, you know, (laughs) typically it's just the opposite. They have all sorts of layers to keep their decision makers schedules pure and clear of distractions. And that does not support the efforts um, from somebody that they might not have heard of. So uh, I would love to provide you with a little bit of insight around that if you'd like. I would love that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, tapping into the six years that I spent in the corporate world, I well understand your your frustration there in terms of one, you've got to identify 
who exactly is the person that's going to make this decision, right? Because it's not always clear. Is it human resources? Do they have another department? Is it, you know, a vice president? Depending on the size of the court, it's just, it's very complex. Uh, but, you know, the, the second thing that I would like to really focus in on that hopefully will move the needle for you is when you align your offer or the reason for you coming to them to speak with them with what their biggest challenges are as a corporation, as it relates to employees, or maybe their public appearance or their their branding or their what they're known for. I mean, goodness, Glassdoor, right? There are so many websites out there that are just really transparent about what goes on with this corporation, you know, on the inside. And it, it does affect their, you know, their public relations and who they appear to be as a corporation. So there are a lot of different layers in terms of what their own challenges are and what they are experiencing as a corporation that is top of mind for them to want to fix. It's not always about growing the profits. It's not always about increasing revenue. It's not always about hitting, you know, a, a new level of profitability for the shareholders. It's not always about that. That's a focus. Yes. But there are other layers that result in that focus, in that outcome. And so when you approach the corporation with a message that clearly aligns with and supports them to achieve what they're striving to achieve, in, in essence, solve one of their really critical challenges, then you've opened the door. You have created that engagement. You have like, oh, all right, well, let me hear what you've got to say. And, and that opens the door. And there are different steps to take though, because they're usually executive assistants or receptionists. They call them gatekeepers. I don't like to use that word, but that's the known. They are keeping the gate, right? They're keeping the gate closed and filtered so that their executives can be most productive. But they're, you know, it's, it's really important to understand how to approach uh, those individuals as well and honor them in their role and the importance of their work. But but that's the main message that I wanted to share with you and the inspiration that I received is just the importance of alignment. So does that resonate for you? Absolutely. That gives me a lot of clarity in how to approach them and helps me to sort of distill things down to what's most important in that engagement. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, good. Well, hopefully that'll move the needle for you. And I'd love to hear how this trans you know, transcends in, in the real life action. So be sure to let me know how this works for you. Um, I'd love to, to hear the ahas and the revelations that happen. So, and, you know, speaking of corporations, oh my goodness, you know, the pandemic, right. It's, it's, it's in the rear view mirror for most of us. Um, but it's the ripple effect is still being felt by corporations and individuals on varying levels, right. Because the pandemic not only was geared around the virus, but the ripple effect in terms of corporations and employees and retention and, and our overall wellness and health. And so I, this seems like a perfect topic for you. Can you, you know, share a little bit more about, you know, the impact of the pandemic on the work that you do? 
Yes. So the pandemic has absolutely been an accelerant for the work I do. It's amplified the importance of health and well-being. And in the workplace, not just in our personal lives, companies and organizations have had a lot of problems with retention. And part of it is the employees' feelings of well-being. And how does the corporation support that? They have to be a player in that. And the U.S. Surgeon General has come out with a framework now, just recently, that really supports workplace wellness and gives people things to talk about in relation to that. So the pandemic, it caused a lot of challenges. We all know that individually, collectively within companies and organizations. So for example, in terms of well-being, people who were suddenly working remotely, they were having a really hard time distinguishing work time from personal time. And they really had to take a step back to say, how am I going to navigate this with my well-being intact? So it has impacted the work that I do positively. It has opened doors to have conversations with leaderships and organizations that want to support their people's health and well-being. Right. And yeah, to talk about this seems they, yes. so obvious, you know, if they don't have employees that are feeling great and energized and happy, <laughs> you know, that's going to directly impact productivity. There's no doubt about it. Right. Productivity and uh, and also retention of employees. So the mm -hmm. C-suite, the, the, the head of the corporations are really starting to see that this is important. And in fact, they are starting to implement, including chief wellness officers in the C-suite. And I think that is only sure. beginning. Wow. So that is amazing. Chief wellness officers. Wow. I love that. Talk about a wake up, huh? Yes, for sure. Into more consciousness. Absolutely. It's definitely part of the calculus of how do we retain and support our employees. So mm -hmm. I think we're going to see more of the kind of work that I do aligned with corporations that want to support their people in sort of whole person wellness over yeah. time. No, I love that. Yeah, no, it's definitely a part of the bigger plan and uh, affects so many different areas, increases just our own happiness, right? If we boil it down, distill it down to happiness, you know, health is right there as one of the biggest impacts of happiness. So, well, well, Deborah, I'm on the seat, the the edge of my seat here. <laughs> Can you just share a little bit more in terms of specifics? You know, how do you work with people who want to finally achieve their wellness goals and and live those happier, healthier lives? Can you? Share just a few more details, uh, let's see, about your, you know, your approach or your philosophy. Sure. So I think what I'd like to hone in on here is how I work one-on-one -on -one with people in terms of the approach and philosophy. And then the way I work one-on-one -on -one really translates to the corporate sector, to the organizational sector in terms of the approach and the philosophies that I bring. So first of all, when I work with people, I really come to the table with a deep respect for them their experiences, perspective, what's important to them, what they want for their health, well-being, and life. What's important to, to the client for their health and well-being is what is important to me in working with them. Mm -hmm. And for me, that relationship is a partnership. Similar to a Sherpa or a mountain guide, I'm not going to do the work for you, but I'm right. on the journey with you and going to provide support and resources and tools and strategies for supporting you and connecting the dots between where you are and where you want to be. And let me just be clear. I don't bring a whole checklist of all the things they should be doing. I help 
the client to make a personal formula for their health and well-being. So for example, I had one client come to me, a woman in her 50s was dealing with some biometrics in terms of diabetes, high blood pressure, some other things. And she said, I just feel like a slug. I'm always so tired. I said, what do you want to feel like? She said, I want to feel energetic, like a butterfly. It sounds silly <laughs> on the one hand, but then that really helped us to hone in on where she is, where she wants to be. And we worked over the course of a year to help her create a plan that worked for her over time with accountability, a plan that we would change as needed to help her increase her energy and satisfaction with life. So deeply personal in terms of how I work with people, whether I'm working one-on-one -on -one or so, for example, recently I've been doing a program working with women who are victims of domestic violence for nine weeks. And I hone in on their needs and work with them collectively together while also trying to attend to the individual needs. So very personal, the work that I do, there's no formula that I use to do this work. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and it's that intuitive, you know, ability that you have that really that zone of genius you have around that in intuition, the intuitive approach and that compassion based approach that you have that's, that's then supported through, you know, your vast knowledge of uh, the evidence based approach and techniques. So yeah, I love that. It just makes so much sense because Everybody is unique and uh, it's so complex, right? From, okay, well, how much sleep are you getting and how much water are you consuming and what, you know, there's that at the surface, but then it just becomes way more complex. So yeah, I love that. Well, Deborah, how can listeners learn more about you and this great work you're doing? Sure. For any listeners that would like to learn more about me and my work, I would recommend going to my website at woodswellnesscoaching.com. And while there, you can take a look around, learn more about my services, my approach, my philosophy. But also, if you're interested, you can connect. There's a link there on my website where you can connect to have a discovery call, completely complimentary, about a 30-minute discussion. Wow, that's fantastic. So you offer that, that call without any fee? Right. No fee. It's free. It's an opportunity for us to get to know each other and to see if it's a match for working together to support your health and well-being. All right. Fantastic. So that's Woods Wellness Coaching, Woods, W-O-O-D-S, wellnesscoaching.com. And um, for our listeners, you can find that link in the show notes and navigate through. It sounds like she's got a, a, a wonderful website she's created and be sure to look for that discovery call to set up. So that's, that is very generous of you, Deborah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Deborah, you've already shared just so many golden nuggets of wisdom here through our conversation, but if I could tap on you one last time uh, in looking at your own experience in building your business, what's some advice that you could share maybe with a frustrated entrepreneur who's questioning their decision to have even started their own business or they're doubting their ability to succeed. Yeah. So I just want to say, first of all, if you find yourself questioning the work that you're doing, how to, you know, am I going to continue on this path? Know that you're not alone. This is the typical experience of someone who's really pursuing something that they want to do as an entrepreneur. You're not alone. Look for who can be a support, whether it's a mentor, whether it's courses that you can take, 
whatever you can do to find support. Another thing that really helps and has helped me is really leaning into that why, like revisit that why. Don't just visit it once, but go back to it. Why am I doing this work? And you'll have an answer there that gives you fuel for continuing on. Mm -hmm. Another just very quick tool that's really helped me is when I become overwhelmed with a project or something that I'm working on, maybe it feels a little overwhelming and unwieldy. Uh, basically, I stop and ask myself a simple question. Is there a way to make this easier? And the answer is almost always yes. So for example, mm -hmm. in my work, I tailor create experiences, presentations, programs, keynote speeches for different companies and organizations. Uh, and the truth is that while I make it very personal to the organization that I'm working with, there are some things that I've done in the past, presentations, workshops that I can draw upon to then create this unique experience for that company. So that can make things easier for me. And one last thought for entrepreneurs who are on this journey, I just wanna acknowledge the courage that it takes, the drive that it takes to do what you're doing. But I just want to invite you to make time for fun while taking care of business. Mm, yeah. yeah, that is important, isn't it? <laughs> it's not all just toiling and working and oh, my goodness. Oh, I love that. So those are three. You've, you've really you've gone above and beyond, Deborah. <laughs> so connecting with the why that initial spark, that initial like oh my God, that would be great. Oh, that whatever that was, however that looked like, but mainly how that felt because that does get separated when we're deep into learning some specific task or technique about building a business. So I, I love that. That's powerful. And is there a way to make what you're doing easier? That's so profound, but yet it's, it's simple, but yet, oh my gosh, how many times do we want to overcomplicate something, right? Oh, it's got to be even better or bigger or, you know, whatever this time. No, it doesn't have to be. It was great the first time repurpose. So I love that. And then the icing on the cake, have fun, make time for fun. And it's okay. It's okay to take a little break and a breather. So yeah, that's all part of, I'm guessing your wellness plan. Yes. <laughs> just kind of reading between the lines here. So yeah, thank you for that, Deborah. And you know, I got to say, it's just been so great hearing about your journey from this, you know, previous career path that you were on where you, I'm sure were making a huge difference. But, you know, when somebody said, would you do this without pay? You said, heck no. <laughs> and that was kind of the wake up to like, boy, you know, I'm not doing something that really aligns with that deeper sense of meaning and purpose and passion. So you took the leap, you immersed yourself into something that spoke more clearly and powerfully to you because a firsthand experience, oh my gosh, you know, I personally have witnessed and experienced others who have unfortunately fallen to a health demise when something could have happened differently and they would still be here. So this impactful work that you're now doing as a nationally certified, board certified health and wellness coach and lifestyle medicine coach, where you're helping people make the most of their health and wellness and well-being in the ways that make the most sense for them and that are sustainable. So I've really enjoyed our conversation and I just wanna thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. Thank you, Wendy, it has been a complete pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And for our listeners, uh, again, you can reach Deborah Woods through her website. 
and that's woodswellnesscoaching.com. And uh, be sure to sign up for one of those discovery calls if you're at all curious about learning ways to improve your well-being. So that's woodswellnesscoaching.com. And for all our listeners, remember, when it comes to building a business that brings you joy and has an endless flow of high-paying clients, well, don't overlook the power of what I call compassionate selling, where you've fully supported your potential clients' decision-making process by providing them with everything they need to feel confident and excited about saying, yeah, this sounds great. So are you 100% confident that you're fully supporting your potential clients? Well, if you're curious, reach out to me and apply for a sales blind spot coaching session. You may be surprised by what we discover. All right. Well, this is Wendy Vaughn, Chief Paradigm Shifter and Sales Success Coach. And you can find me and our next podcast episode at PredictableSalesResults.com. Well, thank you for tuning in to today's episode with Deborah Woods. And as always, here's to your success.